welcome to the intro before the intro. So what's new with the Bookish Society? We've been listening to your feedback and have tweaked our offerings for the spring semester. So what will be changing and what does this mean for your family? Here's the sitch. We're gonna move to a two track system and we're gonna offer the choice of bookish goodness in either book clubs or instructional class formats. I know that sounds fancy, so what does that actually mean? If you already have a kid enrolled in bookish and you love the approach exactly how it is, great. You can enroll in one of our book clubs for the spring, which will be January through May, 2022. Uh, we're still going to have weekly or bi-weekly assigned books, and we'll meet every week to discuss with the current group as it stands. This is a more laid-back approach for kids who want to just delve deep into all the books like we already do, right? Just fan out about it. It'll supplement their free reading time. Um, we're you know, we're still going to hash it all out. We're still going to have author visits. And as a bonus, you're going to be getting some bookish society swag. Um, this is an excellent choice for families looking to grow readers by keeping things fun and low stakes. We also have people asking for more and I'm doing what I can to help out with that. <laughs> so perhaps you're looking to outsource your entire language arts and you would like a more rigorous experience with writing instruction and assignments and formal feedback. You twisted my arm, I can do that. So classes will keep a similar reading schedule to the roundtables and usually even use the same books, but we're gonna supplement with a textbook, there'll be weekly assignments, um, there will be explicit writing instruction and formal direct feedback and a final course grade, which because I'm a softie is going to be pass fail because, you know, you're either doing the work or you're not. I'm not going to go with letter grades. This is an excellent choice for families looking to supply evidence of learning to either charter schools or school boards, or, you know, maybe you just run a tight ship and you want all that instructional load taken off of you. So you can concentrate on teaching math, which I will never ever offer. So all that said, there'll be more details upcoming and registration will open up on October 1st. And that's pretty much it. Oh my gosh, that's not it. The best thing is it's all cheaper. It's all cheaper than before because we're getting so many kids I don't need to charge as much per kid. So if you want more details, I'm adding classes to the website practically daily, and we are at thebookishsociety.com. And without further delay, here is our newest podcast. I'm Jen Naughton, and this is Bookish Society Secrets. In case you stumbled upon us, here's the sitch. We give you the inside dish, spoilers included, about the latest and greatest new books for kids and teens. Because I live by the mantra, so many books, so little time, I'm using this corner of the internet to boost authors and their stories. Okay, hey everyone. Today I'm chatting with 
Lisa Frankel Ridio, the author of Elvis and the World as It Stands, which is available now. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. I know a lot of parents will want to hear more about your story. Thank you for having me. This is so, so fun. I just love it. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to this. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your book first? Yes, I would love to. Okay. Elvis and the World as It Stands is a story about a shelter kitten named Elvis told from his point of view. Um, Elvis believes that he knows how the world works. And when the story opens up, he is in a shelter with his beloved sister, Etta. They're looking forward to being adopted together to go to their forever home where they will live happily ever after. Uh, much like the characters in the fairy tale stories that their shelter volunteer reads to them. But when Mrs. Pemberton comes to the big adoption extravaganza and adopts Elvis and separates him from Etta and takes him home to the Pemberton household, everything that Elvis thought he knew is upended. And basically, he is committed to getting back to the shelter to reunite with Etta. He tries and fails multiple times. And during this time, he uh, becomes sort of enamored with and interested in this crazy cast of characters that live at the Pemberton household, including an array of um, pets and also a human girl, 10-year-old Georgina, who is spending her summer uh, basically just in her room building Lego skyscraper replicas of famous American um, skyscrapers. So it he kind of becomes intrigued and his story goes from there. It's so good. I love all of the intertwined parts of childhood that you managed to mold together into one story. I mean, yeah. my kids were huge, huge Lego fans. Yes. Uh, we have cats. So I was like, I was all in. I was personally <laughs> invested in a lot of parts of the story, uh, okay. especially, you know, like page what, one or two with the Sears Tower. I'm all like, hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right, because you're Chicago. Yeah, yeah, Chicago shout out. And yeah. very good not calling it the Willis Tower, because yes. that's just dumb. We don't want to call I it know. that. I, I can't even call it the Willis Tower, but, you know. I know. And, you know, the naming rights are going to be up again, so they're going to probably change its name again again, okay. and no one will know the new name either, so. Okay, it's always the Sears Tower, at least for people born, I don't know. Around there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So what, what was your inspiration? <laughs> you know, um, I mean, the seeds of the story come from years that I spent working with my daughter when she was young. I think she was about sixth grade when we started volunteering at our local shelter and we, we volunteered there for gosh, six or seven years, all the way through high school graduation for her. And every single week we were at the shelter and, um, I, and we love animals and had, you know, a house full of pets. I think at our, when we were bursting at the seams, we had three cats, two dogs and two hamsters. Um, so all of our volunteer time, we never adopted any pets, but I always wondered, you know, how do they feel, <laughs> you know, yeah. just being torn from their litters. Sometimes a couple of them would be adopted together, but most often not. Um, 
And this idea, I think, just hung around in my head. And I thought about all kinds of things in life that are sort of not fair and that we don't have any control over. Um, from Elvis's point of view, and obviously from a cat's point of view, there is no control whatsoever on what's happening, you know, in their life. And I was trying to look at all those questions about in life that, you know, where we don't have satisfactory answers and where we don't have control. Um, so whether it was a cat in a shelter, not having control over where his life is going to, uh, you know, a child who might be dealing with divorce in the family and going back and forth between two households or all of the other issues. And then also to, you know, bigger sort of world, you know, tragedies even that are out of our control. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people would say that this is like a younger middle grade book. Yeah. And I guess it is maybe only because, I don't know, maybe just because of the focus on, on Elvis, on the whole like kitten, kitten angst. <laughs> I'll yes. call it, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's such big ideas yeah. that I don't know. I could see this stretching. Uh, you know, it depends on the kid, but I, I could definitely see the stretching higher. You know, it's it's hard. Yeah. It's so hard to pinpoint. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I, I mean, Georgina, the human, the human girl in the story yeah. is 10. Right. So we've got the, you know, we've got that age range. But right. yeah, we're not we're not shying away from from um, deeper themes, you know, more no. difficult themes. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, kids. I know that the 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 line, the standard line, is just that you know, kids want to read about someone a little older. But mm-hmm. I don't find that always being true. They're they're happy as long as it's somewhere in there, either you know, like within within two years, either way, maybe. Yeah. Older or younger. The kid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know for me, you know, I was a slow reader when I was, you know, in, in elementary school and I wanted stories that, you know, I wanted to write a story that was accessible to somebody that was a reader like me as a kid. Right. Um, I like the white space. I like, you know, I like the animal aspect that always would draw me in. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on the kid. Yeah. And this is such a great book because you get that white space, but it's not a novel in verse because a lot of kids, I mean, it it goes either way. They either like them or they don't like them. So this was Mm -hmm. nice that it was, um, you know, it's like you said, it's accessible to, you know, to the younger range of middle grade. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that you spent a lot of time around cats. (laughs) We, we seem to collect cats. We've, we've never, I don't think we've ever actually adopted a cat on purpose. Cats just show up yeah. and then we have a cat. <laughs> and then sometimes we've had up to like four cats because that's right. what the universe has sent us. Yes, we just, exactly. We just get cats. So yeah. So maybe uh, it's sort of inside out for you. You had no control over what the cat chose to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm all like, don't you miss wherever you came from? Don't you right. feel sad? Go back there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, funny. And they're like, no, you're, you're pretty good humans. We're going to stay, we're going to stay here. It's a compliment. Yes. You need to take that as a compliment. But yeah, I had some, uh, it was, so, you know, we were talking right before I pushed record about how, you know, we're always like talking about other books and other authors. So there's a graphic novel. I don't know if you listened to the podcast I did with uh, Ursula Houston. 
A call oh, a cat story. That one yet. Ah, no, but I will do it. Yeah. Okay. So those are cats and they're being told they have like these ancient cat beliefs of like, there's like a cat paradise, right? So they're going to mm. follow these stories mm-hmm. to get to the promised land. Yeah. And it kind of like reminded me of that with like the shelter story. Super interesting. Okay, good. I'm going to have to get that on my list. And yeah. I'm, and now I'm just like, when I look at my own cats, I'm all like, oh, I hope this is what you wanted. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, because now I'm like entrenched in cat lore. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then I turned a bunch of kids on to reading the Warriors books. Oh. So now I've got a bunch of middle schoolers that want to just talk about all of those. So. Well, and my daughter read all of those when she was, you know, third, fourth, fifth yeah. grade. And I mean, I couldn't even keep up. She was reading all, I don't even know, but she, she would tell me every night and it was like listening to a synopsis of Peyton Place to me. Like yes. she would say, oh, you know, Thunderpaw is this, And she would go on and on and on. And it was, she loved it. It was fascinating. Well, it was so complicated. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even, I, there's probably like 20 books at least, right? And right. They're changing names as they go from like a kitten to like a warrior to whatever, yeah. and then they'll change allegiances and some of them switched clans and yeah. it was all a complex society. Yeah. 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 If you've ever, if you ever go online, you can go, I think they still have that website and it's like a huge like family tree. Of oh, all these cats. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So speaking of that, mm-hmm. what did you use for research? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, obviously the the cat, the kitty component was all just my life, right? Right. Uh, All the cats in our household and all the years at the shelter. And then, you know, a lot of the research that I did was kind of a lot of fact checking, you know, related to like the different skyscrapers. I've all of the skyscrapers that Georgina builds Lego replicas of our, our buildings I had seen in person or been to at one point in my life. So I had a connection at some point, but just going back and sort of learning, you know, those little details about, you know, who was the architect? When was it built? How tall yeah. are they? You know, stuff like that. I did, you know, my basic library research for that. And I learned some really interesting things. And, and I think the thing that tied all of those buildings together that are in that are in the story is that they were all built to withstand something, something from the elements. And this was, I think, really fascinating for me, Um, starting with the Sears Tower, you know, built to withstand the weather, basically, the wind, the whatever torrential Illinois weather is happening up there. And, you know, the Transamerica Pyramid was built to withstand a devastating earthquake, which it did, you know. um, the most interesting little piece of information that I uncovered, and it was complete news to me. So I, I, I'm always interested to know if other people knew about this because I did not know about it. But the Empire State Building had a an airplane in 1945 accidentally, a, a military airplane accidentally flew into the Empire State Building. And I mention it in the book. Right. And it, it was... It, it happened at like 9.29 on a Saturday morning. It flew into like the 79th floor. It was eerily similar. Yeah. Um, and I, I was reading it and I was like, what? And that building even was, you know, there were very few fatalities because it was a Saturday. Thankfully, it could have been way worse. But the, but the building stayed intact 
and was open for business the very following Monday. And so because of that information and, and that experience, when they were building the Twin Towers, they were built to withstand an airplane flying into them. Um, you know, it's hard to talk about, right? Like, yeah, yeah. God. But of course, you know, the circumstances were very different than what, right, right. you know. The well, like you say doing. in the book, there was a lot more fuel. Right, exactly, exactly. Oh. But I had no, like, like I know, you know, accidents have happened over the years. Airplanes hit things, you know, it happens. But I, I was like, wow, I had never heard of that. And it was very surprising to me. And just the... I don't know, just the tie to the way that the Twin Towers were built with that in mind, because yeah. obviously they're so tall. You know, it is so weird how mm-hmm. how much we all forget. I mean, not, I mean, like, you know, I wasn't alive in 1945, but, right. you know, my, my parents were. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, it's so, history just always intrigues me because there's so many things that everyone knows. For some reason, certain facts our common knowledge and other things are just gone. Right. You know, right. right. It, is, it is so interesting, isn't it? So, it is. yeah. Ah, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah. My research, Go ahead. Yeah. So my research was primarily around, you know, sort of fact checking those sorts of details. And then really a lot of the rest of the book was, you know, coming from my life. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I so you don't have to research that. So, okay. So my, my Lego mind, the first thing I thought of was, so was Georgina building with kid Legos or was she building those sets that you can, you can buy on the actual towers? I don't know if you recall in the story at one point when she, I guess when daddy comes over to her mom's house and sees everything she's done over the course of the summer and she says, you know, oh, I don't use those kits anymore. I'm beyond oh, that. That's right. So she, that's so right. I, I am picturing her, of course, using kits on some of those things that, you know, maybe Elvis first saw, like the Ferris wheel and the castles mm-hmm. and the different things that he notices in her bedroom when he first shows up on the scene. But as she becomes more interested in actual architecture, you know, she's got her bins just full of those little shiny bricks and she's just using her architecture book and just you know making it happen and I can definitely picture her having sorting like having them all sorted you know where she's got like by size or by color or maybe both but I definitely got a picture of Georgina I liked her so much yeah yay all right so I guess we sort of started talking about 9-11 but um this might be the first time kids in this age group mm-hmm. actually read about anything about that in mm-hmm. in a middle grade novel. So what would you say to, to parents about that? Should they talk to them first or do you think talk to them after they read it? You know, it's so interesting. I, I It's a tough question, right? I mean, yeah. I think for a lot of kids, this is an historic event that happened way in the past. Right. right. And they're thinking of it as something from so long ago. Exactly. So there is that separation that, you know, they're not, they're not close to it like you and I are, right. They're not close to it. So I think that, um, and, and my kids are not little anymore. And they in fact were, uh, five and six at the time of nine 11 and they don't remember 
it, they don't remember everything like I do. They don't even remember the day. So I was asking them actually recently. And, um, you know, so I think that in this book, I'm really presenting sort of just the facts, the factual information of it, but in a way that is like, we don't have all the answers. This is something that happened. You know, it, it, it it's a piece of, of our, our history that we don't have a satisfactory answer for. Um, I don't know the best way for a parent to talk about it because I think it depends on the family and the kid. And it could be like other difficult topics where a parent says, you know, what have you heard about it? How do you feel about it? What does it make you think about? You know, those kinds of things. I mean, I'm not a child psychologist by any stretch. So I think it's a, it's a difficult one. And yet, you know, it's a fact of, of our history. And so we have that information to deliver to the kids. So, Yeah. yeah. But I think you handled it really well. I think, um, I, I think there's a huge chance that there could even be kids reading this that really haven't really heard about it much at all outside right. of it's an anniversary date or something like that. Right. I did. Um, this is reminding me that when I was doing my my research, um, you know, I did spend a, a, a quite a bit of time on the 911memorial.org website, mm-hmm. which actually has all this great um, information for parents and teachers on, you know, age appropriate ways to discuss and deliver information about 911, which is really super helpful. Like it was so helpful oh, for yeah. me. I didn't really discover that component of that website until after I had mostly written the book. So I was mostly just checking to make sure that I was age appropriate with my delivery. And I wasn't intending to try to answer these big questions. I was just trying to say, here's the thing that, you know, we're all contending with and we're all trying to figure out and particularly with the 20 year anniversary coming along. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, from what, from what I understand, most of the kids in bookish just think of it, like you said, as being really long ago, like equal to World War II. Right. Like, this is like right. just all like, you know, there's bad things that happened, but it has nothing to do with us <laughs> type thing, you know? Right. And so it is. Um, yeah. I mean, there is that. And then there, you know, hopefully in the story I have. I mean, I would, I would like to think that I was able to say, no, we're all in it together. It, it right. does have something to do with us, but how are we connected to it? Yeah. You know, how are we connected to these sort of bigger world and historic events? Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's the thing. That's what I love about a good middle grade book is it really, you know, it, it leaves kids thinking um, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, enjoying a good story because who doesn't want to hear the most, you know, innermost thoughts of all your pets. Right. <laughs> you know, that was, right. it was, uh, like I said, it's just a really good balance. So I love it. I'm love so it. glad. I'm so glad. Yeah. So we should talk about, uh, book recommendations. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, got for me. I, I have a little, like, well, a couple of these you've already, you, some of yeah. my faves you've already had on your show. Um, but I just finished reading Journey Beyond the Burrow, which is Rena Heisel. I don't, do, uh-huh. have, you, have you read that I one have, yet? I, well, I have read it, but I need to get a hold of her. 
Oh, okay. I, yeah. I, I just finished it like the other day and I just, of course, love the animal factor, the animal right. adventure factor. And these three little mice, they're just so adorable trying to save their little brother and everything they come across in nature. I thought it was really riveting and, and I love the little mice, of course. And then like, I, of course I have starfish on my desk and I have unsettled. I mean, I, these are probably two of my faves from the last couple of months. And I know you've already interviewed both of them, but this book, um, everything sad is untrue. Ooh, that I have not read. Okay. Then this is going to be my big recommendation for you. Okay. Um, I love this book so much. It's just so well done. And he has this Scheherazade thread going through basically he is an immigrant from Iran. He's in, oh gosh, is it Oklahoma or Nebraska? I have suddenly forgotten. But he is at his school and he is using his stories of his life to sort of save himself um, just from just life in school, number one, and just his whole immigrant experience. It's just really well done. I was highly recommend. Oh, good. Um, Yeah. What do I have on my shelf? I have to tell you what I just got in. I haven't read these, but they came in the mail. All right. I have Violets Are Blue. Oh, I I was just hearing about that. Which is uh, Barbara D. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and then I also got uh, Concealed by Christina Diaz-Gonzalez. And this looks really good. Interesting. It looks really good. So it's like a... yeah, it's a it's a middle grade novel, and it's a girl whose parents are in the witness protection program. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's so, compelling. That looks good. And uh, Scholastic tells me it is out in October of twenty twenty one. Okay, so I'll be reading that. And yeah, Barbara D's book is coming out in this month in September. Um, okay. Yeah, it's called Violets Are Blue. Too. I know it's so pretty. Yeah, it's such a pretty cover. Ooh, and. Uh, this sounds like it's got like her parents are getting divorced, but she, the the main character is really into special effect makeup. I don't know if you can see that, but she has. I can like see a, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that is interesting. I know that's like such a cool hobby, which you know you don't usually see. So yeah, so I will I will be reviewing these soon. Yay! Oh that's my gosh, I've got great. in my pile. Um. So hey, at the end of the semester. I'm going to have an author week, kind of an anti-finals thing. So I don't know what your work schedule is like around like December 16th, 17th, something like that. But I will send you, I'll send you a little invite. I'm hoping to get a bunch of authors to come like during class. That would be so fun. I thought it would be so fun for the kids because, you know, they're all almost all taking online classes and the rest of their week is going to be full of tests and this would be super fun where they could just we could have a bunch of people that they can just ask questions to well I would I'm I'm honored to be asked I would love to do it awesome yeah put me on the list I will so I thought that would be you know the the opposite because we're all about you know reading is fun not you don't have to take a test on it right yeah and the other thing about it is like there's no wrong answer. You can feel however you feel about a book. 
You can yes. think whatever you think about a book. And that's what was so hard for me as a kid is there, they were trying to make you write a right or wrong answer. Yes. And I didn't know what it was. And, and so it would make me freeze. Yeah. But the reality is, is that we all respond. You know, we have that as a reader, we have that space between ourselves and the, and the author, between the work and what's in our heart. And we interpret it all individually and however whatever we take away as the right as the reader whatever the reader takes away is valid that that's what I want to say and I wish it would have been that way back <laughs> in my day I wouldn't have been so afraid of it you know well especially since I mean I don't even think the teachers liked those books <laughs> you know yeah yeah I mean, maybe some of them did, but I'm just saying, like, if you love a book, you can really teach it. That's you know what right. I mean? Like you just, yeah. you're coming at it from a place of enthusiasm and then the kids are going to accept it that way. Even if the kids don't like the book, which happens in bookish, I get kids all the time that are like, I don't know, it was fine. I just didn't like it. And yeah, we really fine. get into like, why? Why yeah. didn't you like it? And that's okay. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, like even an adult adult book group, I, I had this one book group I was in and we had the rule. If you're reading it and you don't like it, just stop. Yeah. We yeah. don't care. You, you shouldn't be forced to read it. Yeah. That's nonsense. Yeah. Stop reading it and find something else you like. Yeah. Well, that was basically our last meeting of the parent book group. I didn't yeah. even finish the book. And it was yeah. like, all of a sudden you hear four happy sighs. Right. So like exactly. Relief. <laughs> Relief. Relief. Yeah. So by the so way, funny. Mexican Gothic, not a hit with us. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's funny. Yeah. I haven't read it and I've wanted to read it, but a lot of controversy. So maybe I won't. Cause again, was, I'm a slow reader. I have my time, you know, yeah, my no, time is I mean, it was really like a horror book, which already yeah. was kind of a strike against it. Yeah. Did you read Clara in the sun? No. Oh my gosh. I love that book. Oh, that okay, well, was good. A great book. Anyway, we could talk forever about book recommendations. So, all right. So, thank you, Lisa, so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed meeting you. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you. This was super fun, and I'm thrilled to be here. So, right. yeah. Thanks. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at bookish underscore society and on Twitter at bookish society. And of course, on our website, thebookishsociety.com. Thanks again to Chris Rieger for his audio engineering magic. 